Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, then. That certainly was a tale of two cities for both of those games over the past week. A lot going on. Crazy world that we live in. Uh, I was about to say it's the best of both worlds, but one of the results, not so much, but it's all okay. Welcome in, everybody. Jonas Norbin, Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Is it too late now to say Happy New Year? I think so. I'm recording this on the 7th. I think we've reached that threshold. Can't, can't be wishing people a new, new year unless maybe you're just seeing them. I don't know. Either way, um, turns out, did not flip the calendar, and turns out that things did not miraculously become wonderful and cheery again. That's okay. We're progressing. We all learned so much last year, and we're moving forward with our lives. So, yeah. Onwards and upwards. I'll I'll leave what happened in D.C. yesterday to the professionals and people that are way smarter than me. Let's get to the basketball. Although, judging by my preview last week of the Texas game, some of you might be saying, "Ah, maybe we need someone a bit more of a professional for that as well. Again, Believe in Jayhawks basketball on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what's on the docket. A lot of review because a lot has happened since we last spoke. The Texas game was a travesty, obviously. The TCU game was a nice bounce back effort. And a little preview. Kansas is getting ready to hopefully win the state of Oklahoma and their electoral votes or something to keep it topical. They'll play OU next. And then take on Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, which will be fun. So let's go all the way back. Let's go to that Saturday game versus Texas. And let's let's start with this. First things first, Texas is really good. I'm going to start with Texas. We'll move to TCU. You know, the better storyline is always in a loss or in a losing locker room. And that was quite the loss. Let's just... Compare the two games side by side with some stats. And then I'll get into my viewpoints and what I saw, blah, blah, blah. But cold, hard numbers always tell the story. So, yes, the worst or tied worst margin of defeat for Bill Self in Allen Fieldhouse. That's a, that's a cold, hard number, 84 to 59. Yikes. And then for the bit more advanced crew, (laughs) per Jesse Newell, always, Kansas's 0.8 points per possession versus Texas was the fourth worst in the Bill Self era. And you didn't need the cold hard facts to necessarily know that. Probably watching the game, you were saying, man, KU is getting locked the F up. The shots were tough. They couldn't get into the lane. 
Texas contested everything. And then comes the TCU game. <laughs> Jesse Newell says a few days ago, KU's 1.453 points per possession versus TCU is the best mark in a road game during the Bill Self era. So really a tale of two games. Was it a tale of two teams or, or two matchups? Opponents is what I'm trying to say. Probably. Is Kansas as bad as what we saw against Texas? No. Are they as good as we saw versus TCU? Probably not. I saw a lot of people saying, that's a good win. TCU came in hot. TCU is a solid win, especially on the road. I don't know. I know Kansas held TCU's star freshman, uh, the the Miles kid, scoreless. So maybe that's a bit of an anomaly, and he, he's having a really good year. Fran, Fran Fraschilla likened him to Frank Mason. He's such a bulldog. But uh, Kevin Samuel, solid player. Chuck O'Bannon, saw him a lot at USC. Solid player, led the team with 18 points for TCU. Uh, Nemhard, a guy we talked about preseason with the 14 points. So it's not like they're, they're devoid of talent at TCU. I just don't think it's that great of a win, that tough of a team, as we saw. But again, we'll get to that game. I, 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 what I'm getting at is I think KU's somewhere in the middle, right, of those two games. But let's talk about the UT game. <laughs> For those of you who listen to these shows, you binge listen to these shows, this is going to be quite an interesting transition from last episode. For those of you who are on a week-to-week, thank you. And also for you, you're probably watching the game screaming, I thought Texas couldn't shoot the three. The numbers said they couldn't. I think it was 32% for the Longhorns coming into the Kansas game on Saturday. All UT proceeded to do was shoot 12 of 26 for 46% against Kansas. So, yeah, Texas came in, played out of their minds, shot nearly 50%. They were at 50% for much of the second half. And they buried KU. So I'll set this precedent or preface everything with this. I'm going to try not to be as sour grapes or as much of a hater as possible. I'm a hater by nature, though. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. I know the whole nation and everyone on Twitter is saying, oh, Texas is good. This is now a top five team. We weren't surprised that Texas beat Kansas. We're more surprised by that amount. And I don't know. I don't know. I think Texas is a good team. I don't think they're as good as we saw on Saturday. Granted, most teams probably aren't, except for maybe Gonzaga and Baylor at their best. I mentioned the statistical anomaly. 46% for a team that came into the game shooting 32%, and I'm quickly checking box scores because I think Texas followed that up against Iowa State And once again, did not shoot the three very well. They only beat Iowa State by six at home, mind you. And Texas in that game, yeah, they shot eight of 26 
31%. Statistical anomaly versus KU, that's not who Texas is. What Texas is, and why I believe they're still solid and a force, and they'll be at the top of the Big 12, don't, don't get me wrong, they are athletic. They have skilled players. They are long. And they're very good defensively. But what they are not is a good outside shooting team. So I think that was an anomaly. I don't think that's who Texas is. What I saw was a team that was totally juiced. And I'm about to have like a AYSO youth soccer, like youth sports moment here. And about to have a real scientific breakdown and have a somewhat of a lazy analysis of the two games. But I thought in the first game, Texas was more energized than Kansas, and they wanted it more. And I thought in the game versus TCU, KU realized, oh, we got to supply our own energy. We can't just show up, roll the ball out, and win these games just because we're Kansas. We gotta, we have to show a little passion. And they brought that energy versus TCU. Is that everything that contributed to these two different games? No, obviously. But if you watched the TCU game and if you watched the Texas game, the game on Saturday, Texas and Shaka Smart were fist pumping. They were yelling. You could hear them over the broadcast. They're going, oh, yeah. Woo. Attaboy. And they were juiced. And meanwhile, the Kansas bench, even in a close game, because remember, at the half, it was 37 to 29. That's not really that much of a deficit. It's not a big deal, especially at home. The Jayhawk bench, quiet as church mice. Too cool for school, maybe. Early game, perhaps. These afternoon games versus Texas never go well. Although this wasn't on CBS, which is a little surprising. But it then flipped. And maybe it's just because it was a road game with Kansas going to TCU. Or maybe it's because they knew we need some pep in our step. Guys were flexing. Guys were high-fiving. Guys were up and out of their seats on the benches. It was a total 180 for Kansas. And they took the life from TCU. And another reason I think Texas is going to falter, every single, and this is something we talk about a lot. This is beating a dead horse somewhat. But sure, Shaka Smart, Texas, way to go. You got up for that game, and you put it on the Kansas Jayhawks. But guess what? Everyone comes at KU. Texas is now going to be the hunted. You can get yourself juiced up for the game at Allen Fieldhouse, but can you get yourself juiced up for that game in Manhattan, Kansas? Can you handle the pressure of when you take on, well, they, they barely beat Iowa State. That was going to be my next example. You know, TCU, West Virginia. I think Texas has some more stumbles coming their way. I thought they took really bad shots in the first half. I think that's more the Texas team that we're going to see. Granted, in the second half, Texas scored 47 points, which is remarkable. 
and we're shooting wide open catch and shoot threes because of good drive and kick offense. But we'll see. Call me sour grapes. That's totally valid. They demolished Kansas. Texas was the better team on that day, and their defense was legit. Jalen Wilson led all scorers with 20 points, but man, David McCormack barely played in the second half, and I thought he had, in what's been a year of bad basketball, I thought he had his worst half of the season in the first half. In fact, he didn't even make a field goal in the whole game. Christian Brown, non-existent, 2 of 10 for 4 points. Abaji still got to 11 points, but 1 of 6 from 3, 5 of 14 overall. And it was a bad, it was just a bad game, like any way you cut it, versus Texas. I mean, and you want to talk about Texas with their statistical anomaly from deep? You could argue it went the other way around, a 180-degree turn for Kansas. 3 of 23, that's not really who they, who they are from deep. 13%, but every shot was contested. Every shot was tough. Now, if David McCormack had his worst half of basketball this season versus Texas, he had himself a bit of a reclamation project <laughs> versus TCU. He had maybe his best game of the year. And considering the circumstances, it may have been his best performance as a Jayhawk. Because I know he had a 20-point game Last season, was it against UMKC? It was at the Sprint Center. It may not have been against the Ruse, but it was at the Sprint Center. It's been like a 23-point game. But considering, you know, opponent and circumstances, this is a Big 12 game coming off an embarrassing defeat. This might have been David McCormack's best game against TCU in a Jayhawks uniform. Seven of nine field goals, 20 points, Six of six uh, free throws. He now has, I think, a 21 made in a row streak of free throws. Does David McCormack? Those are the, the outline. Those are the sort of the, the eye gloss. Those are the numbers you look at the box score and you say, oh, David McCormack had a nice game. But what I thought he did well, <laughs> again, I'm talking with my hands here. I'm really getting into this. I thought DMAC played his role well. The guy's like 6'10", 6'11". Got the body of a Greek god. Stop fading away on your shots. He defended well. He rebounded well. He got some offensive rebounds as well. Three. Kept things alive. Was active. Defensively, we're getting there. (laughs) But he did have two blocks. For a guy who's not been a rim protector at all especially this year. So yes, he put in the work, he played well, but he played his role. And when it's a four, a four out, a four guard, four wing offense, whatever you want to call it, you don't have to do too much as the big man. And in fact, Fran Fraschilla mentioned this, Jesse Newell mentioned this, what Kansas started to do versus TCU is they went back and played that five out offense but they still had David McCormack in the game. Confused? I tongue-twisted myself a little bit. So instead of having the big man or or Big Mac camped out there in the lane underneath the basket, so whenever Jalen Wilson, uh, not Marcus Garrett on TCU, he was out hurt, um, but Wilson, Brown, Abaji, whoever you want to say, instead of having them drive right into David McCormack, 
And conversely, the man guarding David McCormack, essentially making it an even tougher layup or, or contested shot at the rim than it needed to be. They still moved McCormack around the perimeter. Is he going to shoot a three? God, no. Setting screens, influencing the offense, moving the ball, but leaving the middle of the paint open. Go back, watch some highlights of TCU. You'll notice it. And we'll see if Kansas continues it versus Oklahoma. I think they will because we know that their best, most likely their best lineup is going to have to include David McCormack if KU wants to go places this year. The five out, the five guards works best, but you can run that offense with DMAC in the game. And that might be the way that KU really unlocks their potential this year. The other, I think, under the radar notable or the headline from the TCU game I thought this was the best performance and maybe even a breakout game for Tristan and Aruna. 12 points. Here's the eyegloss. 12 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3. That'll play. 7 rebounds total for Anaruna. Didn't even realize that. But he finally put together that what could be a really killer inside-outside matchup nightmare type of game that we've been really just clamoring for. The shot is smooth. He seems to get to the basket at will. He's a good finisher. He's soft. So sometimes he has to finish through contact and doesn't go well, but his first basket, when he got his way to the basket or got his way to the hole, a little up and under, silky smooth, I don't know. There's guys who make it look so easy and who are so smooth that it makes it look like they're lazy. So I don't know what the deal is with Enaruna and why it hasn't all come together quite yet. I'm not saying he's lazy. But with someone with that much potential and ability and talent, everyone knows what I'm talking about. For whatever reason, the example that comes to mind is in baseball, and this may fall flat on deaf ears. I'm thinking of Garrett Anderson, former Angel outfielder. He was so smooth. And it just looked like he lollygagged everywhere. The swing he had was sort of like half-hearted in a way. And he got a lot of flack for it. And I think Tristan Anaruna may suffer from some of the same sort of criticism. Hopefully this is a, a bounce pad moment. May, hopefully Anaruna goes forward from here. Because if he's clicking, and the way that Jalen Wilson has continued to emerge as a star for this Kansas team, yeah, that's a weapon that Bill Self would love to, to utilize. So really, really interesting contrast of two games. And before the Longhorn fans yell at me, I still think Texas is an excellent team. The defense was legit. That was the best game I'd seen Jericho Sims play underneath. And Greg Brown, the big man, the way he hit that step back three in the first half, wow. That was James Harden-esque. It was impressive. It wasn't Greg Brown's best game, but you can, you can see what made him a five-star recruit. That kid is a talent. So congrats to Texas. 
way to win a game in Allen Fieldhouse when there's like half capacity or less than half capacity. Real quickly, let's work our way to KU's game, upcoming games. They will be taking on the Oklahoma schools. First versus Oklahoma, OU, I should say, who just lost last night by double digits, by 15 to Baylor. Kansas should be favored as they are hosting the Sooners. I just hate this Oklahoma team. Austin Reeves from Wichita State. We know about Brady Manick, who might be hurt. They just are not getting as much as they should from the talent that they have. I said Austin Reeves always chokes against the best teams. He actually scored 19 points versus Baylor. I won't pick out stats this time because last time I did that versus Texas, they ended up shooting better than their season averages. But I figure KU should win this game versus Oklahoma. Then come the Pokes, the Cowboys of Oklahoma State on the 12th. So that will be, I believe, next Tuesday. And again, this this time, Kansas is going to Stillwater. We know that going to Stillwater and playing there in Gallagher-Iba is a bit of big, a bit, wow, of a bugaboo for Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Cade Cunningham is living up to expectations, 19 points per game. The kid's good. So, should be fun. But Oklahoma State right now, their Big 12 results, they are 1-3. and three. Although they did only lose to Texas by three. So take that for what it's worth. Everyone do take care, though. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the weekend. Um, of course, our closing song here on this program has been Dr. Dre for a while. Prayers up to Dre. <laughs> he uh, had an aneurysm the other day. Yeah, he did. So rooting for you, doctor, the good doctor. No, he's got an MD, so he can probably help out the doctors that are taking care of him. <laughs> Everyone else, take care. Stay sane in this crazy world. Stay warm, right? And I'll leave you as always with a rock chop. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.